Would you just take a moment just to bow your heads wherever you are? I just want to give you an opportunity, a moment to engage with the Almighty Father who is so radically in love with you that He roams and pursues, roams the earth and pursues you. He gave up everything by sending His one and only Son to come and rescue you and pay your ransom. That is reckless, overwhelming, radical love. I want you to know that you, right now, are in the presence of a holy God because Jesus is alive and the Holy Spirit, the presence of God, Holy Spirit lives inside of everyone who proclaims Jesus as Lord. So I just want you to take in this moment just be silent, be still before the Lord and just say, God, show me your heart. Show me your heart. Show me your heart. The Word of God says that those who seek Him sincerely with all their hearts will find God. Maybe you find yourself in a whirlwind, a desert place, a prison, a storm that you just can't seem to get out of. God promises that if you seek Him with all your heart, He will be found by you. So God, as people are just seeking you with their hearts, they're asking to experience your heart. Would you answer that prayer right now? And I ask God that you would just speak through a broken sinner, a broken man, to bring your word to life in our hearts today. For those of us who are here, those of us who are listening online, those of us who are watching. God, do what only you can do. Take our dead, our calloused hearts and make them soft to hear your voice. And if you're sincerely seeking the Lord, just say, I'm listening, God. I'm listening. I'm listening. I'm putting my listening ears on. I'm going to listen with my heart. We're listening, God. We need you. And any word that comes out of my mouth that's not of you, I just pray that you would silence it. You would do a revival in our hearts today. It's not by might. It's not by our power. It's not by my abilities. It's not by our skills. It's not by our strength. It's only by the power of the Holy Spirit that lives within us. Yes, I am. I am a child of God. Yes, I am. If you're a child of God, would you say amen and be seated? Thank you, worship team. Yeah. For those of you who are visiting or not connected, we would love to meet you after the service. But while I'm uh, teaching, you can take time to either download our phone app and fill out a Connect card, or there's hard copies of Connect cards in the back seat flap in front of you. Go ahead and fill that out, and then we have a welcome center in the lobby. Uh, drop that off, get a gift bag. Um, and we would love to just connect you. Uh, our mission here at Elevation Community Church is to fully connect people to Christ, His community, and His cause. And that's why we say we want to we see real people come into a real hope of Jesus Christ, be in real relationships to grow, and to experience real life change. I'm really excited about this series it's a, a rather unexpected series, and it may be very different from what you've experienced. 
But as we launch into this do nots for living series, I want to take the first Sunday to literally step back and stop. How many times are we just going through life full throttle? Our schedules are maxed out. Our brains are fried. Our family time is depleted. And our quiet time with the Lord is none. And I want us to focus today on one word. And that word is reset. Can you just say that with me? Reset. Reset. I don't know about you, but how many of you have had to reset any of your technical stupid devices, right? It's not working, it freezes up, so you got to do a what? A reset. Reset is a very familiar word to our tech team in the sound booth. Almost every Sunday, something happens to where the lights or the screens or the, the sound system just goes quirky. And they have to, on the fly, reset and do whatever they can to refresh the system and get it working. How many of you need to reset your relationships Relationships have been put on the back burner. You're disconnected. There's conflict. Maybe your marriage is suffering because you haven't stepped back and hit the reset button. And I have to be honest with you. My wife and I needed to hit the reset button this weekend. We've been going and going and going, and many of you have served a summer camp. It was every night while my wife's taking care of the kids and at home without daddy. And going and going and going, and we're taking care of the kids. We're running the kids to daycare, picking them up from daycare. We both work full time, and by the time we get home, we're exhausted, and we eat dinner, put the kids to bed, and go to bed. And we started seeing a disconnect a sense of being irritable with each other. And we had to go back to our vows 15, almost 15 years ago that we would make each other first, of course, under God. We stopped praying together this month. And we wondered why our hearts just weren't in sync. And we hit that reset yesterday. And the reset just doesn't, like a magic button, change everything. But it puts you back in alignment with the Father and with each other. And today I want to talk about reset, but not the things I listed. But the reset of what it means to be a Christian. We live in a post-Christian world. We live in a world that... Hundreds of thousands of people label themselves as Christians and have absolutely no idea what that label means or entails for their life. So I want to ask you this. When you hear or see the word Christian, what do you think of? What comes to mind? What flashes before your eyes? When you hear the word Christian, what do you think of? For some of you, you may just think of the church you grew up in. Or maybe a specific church that you relate your Christianity to. Maybe you think of the Sunday school answer that you learned to say to every spiritual question. Jesus. It's got to be right. 
Maybe you think of a Bible verse that you memorized as a kid or some, maybe even a Bible verse that's very special to you. Like John 3.16 that we see on everything now. For some of you, you may think of a person that models in your mind what Christians should be like. Someone who laid that foundation and that example for you. And for some of us, sadly, when we hear or see the word Christian, it's like nails on a chalkboard. And we cringe inside. Why? Because a lot of us, including me, have very negative and hurtful experiences of Christianity. And it cuts deep to the core. For me, I grew up in a Christian home. Quite dysfunctional, but it was Christian. We have a family heritage of being Christians. And at age seven, I remember vividly giving my life to Christ, sincerely and genuinely, knowing that Jesus truly lived, died, and was raised to life and seated in heaven, wanting me to be saved. So I was baptized. But I have to tell you, when I grew up, I grew up in a denomination that, like many churches you may have experienced, had three unhealthy, damaging traits about it. Number one, they were appearance-based. Can you relate? As long as you looked the part, as long as you put your hands in the air. You know, uh, Tim Hawkins, the comedian, he talks about the different praise hands, carrying the TV, (laughs) wiping the window. (laughs) And you learn that. Appearance is all about Looking spiritual. Doing all the right things and yet completely empty and void of God in your life. Well, the church experience I had growing up was all about appearance. And as I grew up, I saw that and I saw that and I saw that and I just had to say, this isn't what I've experienced or see in the Bible of what Jesus calls a Christian. The second trait that I experienced growing up from the church, Christians, was fear-based. Fear-based. You better be saved or God is going to send you to hell. If you touch a bottle of beer, you play cards, you wear slacks to church, let alone little tears in your jeans and a t-shirt for goodness sake because Jesus wore a suit and die. Just saying. Fear-based. My dad, when he grew up in the same denomination, and please don't ask the denomination because that doesn't matter at all. My dad was forced to believe that if he was in the movie theater and Jesus came back, he would go to hell. Especially, and even if, he was watching a movie like Bambi. He couldn't go see Bambi. Many of you can relate. We're driven by fear. We have to get things right or else. Do this, and God's going to just... Slam down like whack-a-mole on you. It's fear-based. I don't see that in the life of Jesus or the teachings of Jesus at all. And so if you have experienced Christianity that's fear-based, I'm sorry. And that's wrong. And that's not God's heart. The third trait that I experienced growing up was Basically judgmental based. Because it was appearance, you then feared that if anything is out of alignment, 
that something's wrong and you're not right with God, which then leads to judging others, leads to pride and entitlement as Christians. Where did we ever get that? I remember when I uh, was around age six or seven, I got involved in theater. That was my love and passion. By the time I went into ministry, I had over 70-some productions in my experience under my belt. I loved theater. I loved music. I loved performing. And I remember the pastors and the leaderships coming literally to my parents and tell me that if they were going to raise a Christian son, they had to pull me out of theater. Judgmental based. Rules you got to follow to be a Christian. And so time went by and I decided, you know what? If this is what Christians are like, I'm done. And I think many of you may have said that before. I wanted nothing to do with Christianity. But then 10 years later, God's grace got a hold of my life and I started to see Jesus for who he was. That he was not what people have displayed. But he is faithful. He is loving. He is good. He's all powerful. And he is not there to beat me up when I fall. It's quite the opposite. He wants to pick us up when we fall. Do you realize that following Jesus is all about making your life better and living a better life? Following Jesus is all about a better life and learning to live life better. That's what Jesus is about. He's not about rules. He's not about fear. He's not even about appearance or judgment. He's about our hearts and our relationship with him. That's what Christianity is about. And so I want to talk to a few people groups. Number one, you've been Christian. You've been a Christian for 50 plus years. And I want to challenge you to step back and reset what it means to be a follower of Christ. Many of you are beginner Christians. You've been baptized. You're trying to read the word and understand the Bible. But you just kind of feel like you're walking on thin ice. You don't know enough. You don't know enough to share. You don't know how to pray. You don't know how to this. I want to challenge you to step back and understand what it means to be a Christian. For some of you, you're searching for truth. I'm so glad you're here. You're searching for what it means to have meaning and purpose in your life. And I hope that through this series, you will come to understand that there is no greater purpose, there is no greater absolute truth than knowing Jesus as the risen Lord and Savior. And for some of you, You've declared yourself as a Christian in times past, but you have given that up. You've kind of put that on the shelf, and you said what I said over 15 years ago. If Christianity is about this, I want no part of it. So if Christianity and following Jesus is all about living a better life, and becoming better at living, then here's a question for us all. Why in the world are so many people who have either been Christians or raised in a Christian home, taught about Christ, introduced to faith in Jesus Christ, all of a sudden just abandoned Jesus and Christianity altogether? It's a huge deal in our culture and in our world. And then the churches get together and they say, why is everybody losing their faith? 
And I would like to shed some light if that's you, if you're struggling, or even if you've been a Christian for so many years, to step back and understand the foundation of Christianity. And I have two answers to that question of why so many people are giving up on Christ and Christianity and wanting nothing to do with the faith. And maybe that's you. It's not by accident you're here. Number one reason why I believe many people want nothing to do with the Christian faith is us Christians. This series is going to get quite real. Us Christians. Me. Maybe you had a horrible, horrible church experience. You've met completely annoying Christians. Quirky, crazy, and hypocritical. Two-faced Christians. I've been one. I can't tell you how many people in my past that I have probably given the opportunity for them to turn away from Christianity because of my actions. We want nothing to do with Christianity because of Christians. But I'm here to tell you that is an absolutely ridiculous reason to abandon Jesus Christ. Don't leave Christianity because of people. When you have a bad haircut, you find another barber. You don't go the rest of your life not getting a haircut. I hope not. You have a bad medical experience. Your doctor just doesn't have good bedside manner. Maybe you go to a hospital and it's just an awful experience. Do you just do away with the medical field completely? No, you go find another doctor. You go to another hospital, but you still get treated. When you go to lunch this week and you you pick a restaurant, let's just say you like 10% on that menu and you don't like the other 90%, do you just get up and leave? Because you don't like part of the menu? You just don't order that that you don't like. So if you don't give up on haircuts and you don't give up on the doctors, why are you giving up on Jesus? Because of other Christians. And as a pastor of this church, I want to apologize to anyone who has ever been hurt, offended, abused, embarrassed, while attending here at Elevation Community Church, you have my utmost apology. And that's not the heart of God. And if I've said or done anything that wasn't in love of Christ, I want you to come to me and I will ask for your forgiveness. Because Christians are giving Jesus a very bad reputation. But that is not an excuse to abandon Jesus of the Christian faith. The number two reason, you thought I stepped on your toes. The number two reason people are abandoning the faith is because of the Bible. Don't tune me out. Just listen to me. Listen to me. I'll clarify in a minute. So often from Christians and non-Christians... You start to read the Bible and you have no clue what it means. So there's this horrible, unhealthy progression. You take a verse that just doesn't make sense or you read the Old Testament and you see God like striking people down in genocide and trying to figure out why God is doing what he's doing and it doesn't make sense. And all of a sudden this just doesn't line up and so it contradicts itself. And you can't reconcile the six-day creation thing. And you can't wrap your mind around everything in the Bible. 
But let me tell you, that is no reason at all to abandon Jesus of the Christian faith. Why? Curl your toes, because I'm going to step on them. The Bible is not the foundation of Christianity. Some of you are like, this guy's crazy. Yeah, I'm crazy in love with Jesus. The Bible is not the foundation of the Christian faith. The foundation of the Christian faith is an event. Jesus died, Jesus was buried, and Jesus is alive. The Bible is not the foundation of the Christian faith. Now, hold on before you start to walk out. Hold on. What I'm not saying is that the Bible's not important for Christian living. If it wasn't important, God wouldn't have inspired a love letter to get in our hands. But it is not the foundation of your faith. It is a documentation of an event. And from that event, it's a documentation of how the church was founded and what Jesus desires from us what our church and what our lives should look like but if this is what you built your foundation of faith on you are building your faith on a house of cards well isn't the bible all true yes it is but you can literally look through here and you start to get confused and you don't know how to reconcile all this and then you start to believe that God is contradicting himself. What happens? You pull one card out, the whole house of cards falls apart. And that's what's happening with so many people who have grown out of their childhood Sunday school faith of knowing the Bible but never knowing the Jesus of the Bible. It's not about the Bible. It's about the resurrected Jesus. And so when we approach Jesus like the house of cards by making this our foundation, it's like me telling you that you don't exist because I don't agree with everything on your birth certificate. Or maybe you don't even have a copy of your birth certificate, so that means you don't exist. And you know what? I think the nurse or doctor that wrote the birth certificate was wrong and they got the wrong date on there and the wrong color of your hair. And so you don't exist. That would be ludicrous. Do you know that there's actually citizens in America that don't have a birth certificate? Does that mean that they don't exist? No. And the Bible is our birth certificate. It's a documentation of the birth of Jesus inside of us. And if the resurrection of Jesus didn't happen, this thing can go in the trash. Because this thing hinges on the resurrected Savior. So let me go a step further and even say when the church was birthed for the first three centuries, guess what they didn't have? This wasn't written yet. The Jews had the Old Testament, but if you weren't a Jew, you didn't have a Bible. The Old Testament was not for you and God wasn't for you. And so let me say this. If Christianity was so fragile that it could fall apart like a house of cards because someone didn't agree with what they read, we would not have Christianity today. That world was way more violent and non-Christian than we are today. If you proclaimed yourself as Christian, you were saying Christ is more important than Caesar. And you were willing to lose your job Lose your wealth, lose your family, and lose your life. 
just by saying you were a Christ follower. You know, the name Christian was actually a derogatory term for Christ followers. It wasn't, hey, I'm a Christian. It was, look at those Christians. They're crazy. They're stupid. They're going to lose their lives over what? For the first 300 years, how in the world did Christianity survive without a Bible? It was because the Bible was not the foundation of their faith that rocked their world. It was the resurrected Savior that they encountered. They encountered a resurrected Jesus that changed everything. It changed everything. They were now going into the streets and saying, look, I was a coward. You know me. I denied Jesus. I crucified Jesus. I scattered when Jesus was arrested. I wanted nothing to do with Jesus. And now I met the man who was dead and is now alive. I encountered the risen Savior and I'm willing to lose everything because I know he lives. Because I know he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because I know he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future and life is worth the living just because he lives. They staked everything on the resurrected Jesus. They didn't need a Bible. They were the one that wrote and lived out what we read in the Bible. This Christian faith should not have survived. But it did. Why? Because Jesus is alive. Can you imagine watching Jesus crucified? Seeing him pulled off the cross and in the tomb and then being in a locked room with your other brothers and sisters and all of a sudden Jesus literally stands in front of you and he's not a ghost. They literally could feel the nail scars in his hands and his feet. And he ate with them. Do you think you would believe? And yet that risen Savior still lives inside of those who have believed in him and encountered his life-changing presence. That's what Christians are. You see, friends... These followers of Christ were not singing the song, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. I'm not making fun of that song. I'm not. Because it's the birth certificate of what happened. It tells us who Jesus is and who we are in him, but it's just a documentation. What they were singing was, I've just seen Jesus. I tell you, he's alive. I've just seen Jesus, and our precious Lord is alive. And I knew he really saw me too, as if till now I'd never knew. And all that I've done before won't matter anymore, because I've just seen Jesus. I'll never be the same again. If you call yourselves a Christian and you've never encountered the risen Jesus, you're just wearing a name tag. You have not been changed. That's what Jesus came to do. That's what this series is all about. And I wanted to take you through this to understand what Christianity is all about. It's not about a book. It's not about information. It's about a risen Savior that brings transformation. It's not, a book, not about a book. It's not about information. 
It's about a risen Savior, Jesus, that brings transformation. I'm going to say it one more time. It's not about a book. It's not about a birth certificate that just has information. It's about a risen Savior, Jesus, that brings transformation. That's what Christians are. And so if Christianity exists because Jesus is resurrected, then hear me, follow with me. Then what Jesus taught and his need to be the utmost priority in our lives. Would you agree? So if Jesus is the Son of God, if he truly, we can believe this, that it's a documentation of Jesus, the risen Savior, and for 300 years, lives were completely changed because of those who encountered Jesus. Then really what matters more than anything is what Jesus taught. That's why the church survived the first 300 years, and that's why the church has survived all the way through and beyond 2018 is they had two things. Write this down if you have something to write with. They had two things. Number one, they had the gospel message. Jesus came. Jesus lived a sinless life. He paid the price for you to forgive your sins and make you holy and righteous before God. He was buried to take our place in death. So we would not have to experience death, separation from God ever again. And he rose again. He defeated hell. He defeated sin. He defeated the grave. And in him you can have life. That's the gospel message. That's the good news. You don't even need a track for that. I'm not saying those are bad. But again, information, transformation. A book, experience. You can have all. But if you have just the information and you have just the book, you've missed it all together. And I want to stop wearing name tags that say I'm a Christian. And I want people to understand that I am a Christian by how I live. So they had the gospel message. And the next but. Not least, last but not least, is Jesus' commands. Well, what about the Bible? Again, the New Testament wasn't written. And the Gentiles that were coming to faith in Christ and the Jews that were coming to faith in Christ, they, especially the Gentiles, there were no Gideon Bibles in the hotels in Israel. <laughs> they were going to write that. These were Jesus' commands, not the Apostle Paul or James or Peter, these were Jesus' commands. And the crazy thing, if you read through the Gospels that weren't written back then, and you read Jesus' commands, yes, he narrowed down the 600 plus laws to a very few, but have you read those very few commands? They're absolutely unrealistic commands. Love your enemies. Okay, no problem. Forgive and you'll be forgiven. Don't forgive, you won't be forgiven. They're unrealistic. Now we have focused on love for this last year. Loving one another. And Jesus issued some crazy, radical commands. So radical that even the disciples could not understand until they met the risen Christ. And the Holy Spirit then came down. When Jesus ascended to the heaven, he sent his Holy Spirit down to be our counselor, to be the presence of God that lives inside every believer. That is where the spiritual heartbeat and life comes from. And these commands were like this. Do not fear. What? We're running for our lives. We've got so many enemies that want us dead. Next week we're going to look at do not fear. 
Many, if not all of us, are being gripped by fear today. And then Jesus says this outrageous claim, do not worry. (laughs) Have you ever been in the uh, prep room for surgery and they say, just don't worry about it? You're going into your job interview, don't worry about it. Jesus, what do you mean, don't worry? And then he says even more crazy, don't doubt. What? You mean that we're not supposed to doubt this stuff about Jesus and a dead man being raised to life, especially when we didn't see them, where Jesus even tells Thomas, who's doubting, blessed are you who believes and see, but even more blessed those who believe in me who haven't seen? But here's the thing. When Jesus raised from the dead and they encountered the risen Savior, that they saw crucified, you tell me that they had to fear something? They didn't fear anything. They were radical and bold because they encountered the risen Savior and nothing else mattered. They didn't doubt anymore. They felt his nail-scarred hands. They saw the empty tomb. They didn't have to worry about anything because they knew that Jesus would supply all of their needs according to his riches and glory. And so the remaining of this series, we're going to look at those do-nots that Jesus emphasized for Christian living. If you're a Christian and the Spirit of God lives inside of you, Jesus does say, don't fear And you're not to worry about a thing. Don't doubt. And you truly, like myself, can't begin to live that out unless you have encountered the risen Savior. And so as the band comes up, I want you just to tune back in. And I want to ask you, as we reset our hearts, what is your faith grounded in? Is it in what you've been taught as a kid? Is it your parents' faith? Or is it your child's? Faith? Is it in a church doctrine? A church denomination? I met with a lady this week who was losing her husband to death. And I got to meet this dear old man who was hanging on for his dear life because something was missing. And I don't know his background. I don't know if he was a Christian growing up, but there was obvious hesitation of if he takes his last breath, if he would truly see Jesus standing there welcoming him home. And I just got to share, not this, I got to share Jesus with him. And later that evening, he passed. In peace. To the arms of Jesus. Because he believed. That everything. He ever did. Every failure. Every mistake. Was removed as far as the east is from the west. I spoke with his wife and she just was struggling herself that God wouldn't forgive her for going through a divorce over 30 years ago and wouldn't forgive her because she just hasn't been a good Christian by going to church. That makes me so sad. 
Because Christianity isn't about a church. It's about a risen Savior. And if we just find Christianity at church, we're going to reach heaven someday and he's going to say, where have you been? You called yourself a Christian by going to church? I hope all of you take a serious moment to pause of what that name Christian means to you. Because it doesn't mean a lick if you don't have Christ in you. It's just a name tag. So if you would just close your eyes. I want to speak to those groups I I named earlier. And if we could at this moment, just no one moving. No one moving at all. This is this is a moment for many people to reset and begin becoming a Christian. I'm going to speak first to the Christians that you have been a Christian for a long time. You can quote scriptures. You give faithfully to the local ministries. Thank you. You do good deeds. You serve with e-kids. You serve in the lobby. But you have just been disconnected from the risen Savior. His life just doesn't seem to beat in your spiritual chest anymore. That's not because he's left you. He will never abandon his own. It's just because you've put him on the shelf. I'm calling you today to come to the altar and come back to the heart of Christianity, which is not information and not a book and not scripture, not a written document, but the risen Jesus that makes life all new. For those of you who are young Christians, you've been baptized, you're going to be baptized, you know the basics of your faith, but you go out of this church building and you hit a storm of life. Your priorities are a little mixed up. Your kids are disobedient and just driving you up the wall. Your marriage is on thin ice and you just don't know how to be the man of God that you need to be in your household or the woman of God that you need to be in your marriage and your house. Come to Jesus who will make all things new. And he says, look, in this life, you will have problems. You will have many troubles. You will have many difficulties. But take heart, I have overcome the world. That's the hope we have. So you need to come to Christianity in a whole new manner. You need to come to Jesus, which Christianity depends heart and soul. If you call yourself a Christian and you don't have Jesus, what are you living for? Those of you who've walked away from the faith, I am so sorry that you've had a bad experience and that you felt like God has abandoned you and is angry with you. That couldn't be far, farther from the truth. Jesus so loves you that he died for you and he's no longer dead, but he's alive. He's alive. You can experience the abundance and the fullness of life that he has for you. All you have to do is say, Jesus, I'm here. Come take over in my life. I can't do it anymore. Help me believe in you again. And for those of you who have never had anything to do with Christianity, 
and you've never given Jesus a chance, today is your day. Because we don't know what tomorrow brings. It's today. It's today. It's today. And the sinner prayer and the salvation prayer, we don't even know what that word means anymore. Jesus paid for it all. I like to say it. Jesus plus nothing equals Christianity. That's it. Jesus plus nothing equals Christianity. You guys just need to let go everything else that you have in your life that defines you as a Christian and make Jesus the center point. He will forgive you. He will change you. He will fill you with new life. And at the end of this life on this earth, He will embrace you in the kingdom of heaven. That. Everyone look up. That, my friends. That, my family. That's Christianity. That's life in Christ. And with our eyes open, if you met any of those categories and you want to experience the risen Savior that makes Christianity Christianity, I want you unashamedly to raise your hand. Wherever you are, wherever you are, in whatever category, you raise that hand strong. You raise that hand bold. And you start to live the life that Jesus has given you through his death, through his burial, and through his resurrection. Amen? Stand on up. You are so loved. Let's worship. Jesus is calling your hearts. If you would like to get out of your seat and come forward and worship and bow, we would love to pray with you. Let's worship.